0: Blog Talk Radio. The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show. With Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies. Online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile news tips, tricks, and best practices. From actual marketers. Search professionals and social media experts. Hello, everybody. Happy
1: Friday! It is—I uh, can't believe it's actually the end of February already. That's incredible. Um, we are—we uh, are on from DK New Media offices. We're trying out our internet connection again. So we're—we uh, had AT&T out. They fixed a bunch of stuff, supposedly. So hopefully you guys can all hear us. Okay. <laughs> Doug has faith in them. Yeah. I I never said that I have faith in them. i never said that. Um this uh, and then uh Doug Thies is in the house. Uh Doug Thies from Lifeline Data Centers, good friend, and uh good friend Adam Small from uh Connective Mobile. And uh and today's show is really about entrepreneurship and startups. Uh we have we're lucky enough uh to have with us um Jason Cohen from WP Engine. If you guys have been reading the blog lately, I've given a lot of shout-outs to WP Engine. Um, They're basically a dedicated WordPress, uh, high-end, high-performing hosting uh, platform. Jason, you on the line? Can you hear us okay? I'm here. Fantastic. Uh, Welcome aboard. And uh, first of all, uh, you know, we're not going to talk a lot about WP Engine today, but I do want to give absolute kudos to you and your team there. Um, I can share, you know, a couple of stories where it's just worked out fantastically being on your platform as a as an agency that is uh, strong armed into hosting our clients, uh, and that's and most agencies are where people just don't want to deal with it, or they either that or they have some terrible terrible slow hosting like Bluehost or GoDaddy or something like that. Um, nice, I'm calling names. Well, um, way to way to bag them out. You know? I totally bag them out. They're terrible. Um and, and those complaints always wind up going to the agency that built the site, right? The site's slow, the site's slow. Um WP engine jumped on the scene and, and I knew a couple of folks. Aaron Brazil was with you guys for a little bit, I think on the on the on the front side of it. Is that right? Right. Yeah. And and um uh, as soon as I got on it, it was like a breath of fresh air. First, just incredible support. You guys have always responded um, always been reactive, um, I, you know. We we're we're obviously promoting the crap out of you, so I maybe we get a little bit of extra tender loving care.
2: I hope. Well, after uh, after this intro, I'm going to have to send you a check too.
1: <laughs> Ta- Taylor's already working on that. That's K A R R. No, I you know the thing is is. We we had one client actually last that left us about a year ago called us a year later and said uh, we wiped out the whole site you know can you restore it well I didn't have backups or anything of their site they left a year before you know and the, and the thing is is people don't even realize that when when they're with these other hosts that there's no backups there's no offsite backups there's no security monitoring there's no support there's no content delivery network any of those pieces and i think you guys have really carved out a really really incredibly fascinating niche and that's you know what we know wordpress forwards and back inside and out and we know how to host it and we're going to you know put some blazing you know blazing um you know servers and performance behind your site and it's been it's been an extreme pleasure
2: well thanks boy and I yeah. thought we weren't going to talk about WordPress Engine. <laughs> <laughs> now we don't have to. <laughs> well, no,
1: it, it, it just it, – it, I think, you know, for a guy, you've you have started four different companies. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. WordPress Engine is the fourth. Yeah,
1: and, you know, to still have that level of uh, customer support and customer care, it shows that, you know, you started each of these companies with uh, not – you know, not wanting to dump it or, you know, cash out or anything, um, you've obviously identified that the customer is a centerpiece of of how you get these things off
2: the ground. Well, you, in my opinion, you can't build a company with the idea to cash out, even if you would like to cash out someday. Um, and and the reason is that if you want to maximize the valuation that you get, um, and not just the amount of money, but the whole term sheet, you know, um, what what does that look like? do they try to fire all the employees and so forth the best thing you can do is have a company that's growing that's make that's profitable even through growth and that's in a market that clearly has a lot of upside and that there's a lot of other companies that want to play in the market or are playing in the market and therefore might be interested in, in expanding or getting their arm in and the best way to do that is just to genuinely have an amazing company have employees that are obviously awesome when you talk to them for just five minutes have a product people actually need have people that are paying you money because, again, you're solving, you know, it's actually worth it and that say nice things about you and so forth. In other words, building a genuinely good business is the best way to have the best valuation, the most money for it, and, and uh, people who are interested. And so they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, I think they're the same thing. And so you should just design for good company, um, and if you want to sell it someday, it 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 can not uh, not just automatically take care of itself, but almost uh, one of the sales uh, the sale of my third company was literally uh, someone calling out of the blue, and then they liked the numbers they saw it, and we were done in about four months, which is unheard of for a multi million dollar deal to be done that fast, and it's because everything looks good, even though I wasn't looking to sell. Wow, that's fantastic!
1: And can you go through uh, you know? Let me take it back even uh, even further. A lot of times we miss the opportunity to actually do a strong introduction to to our guests. T- tell us about how did you get started? Where did you come from? What did you you know growing up? Uh, how did you get started in you know and become an entrepreneur and and uh, and, and and start these companies?
2: Well, what I find is that people who are entrepreneurs, they're, it's just in them. It's just in their blood. It's just who they are. They they have more or less done that forever. Just like. Uh, coders who, you know, can tell you about how they wrote in basic when they were 6 and all that. Entrepreneurs are the same. Um especially if they're also engineers and wrote code when they were 6 like me. But that's a very common story. It, it's just in you that you want to make stuff. Maybe you hate authority, maybe you uh just think it's better, maybe you're a perfectionist even with yourself and so you just want to do it. There, there you know, there's various things that are probably all rationalizations. and and true to to some extent or another. Um, But the bottom line is it's just in you to to want to create in this particular way, Uh, just like some people need to paint. Some people need to make companies for whatever reason. Um, So for me, it's always kind of in there. I um, always have side projects and stuff, which is another indicator of someone who's probably going to start a company. You've always got projects because whatever you're working on now can't possibly hold your attention enough. And when you're not working on whatever your day job is, you just want to work more. Um, again, Hallmark, uh, workaholic, tech, uh, founder kind of mentality. And so sometimes some of those things work out, or you find someone else to do it with, or someone's interested in it. So my first company, um, I had a library that I was, uh, that's a code library, that is, that I was using, and the, I happened to find an investor. I wasn't looking for investment. In fact, I didn't know he was an investor, and I was just going on and on about how cool my code was. And I was um, 22 or so, I didn't even know what I was doing. And um, he thought that was neat, and we started a company. And, you know, it's usually that serendipitous. So um, I think it's just in you, and if you're out there and you're doing stuff and you're keeping your eyes open and talking to people and, and so forth, it's not that things will magically happen, but when good luck strikes, if you're out there doing and talking to people, then you can take advantage of that good luck. Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: I was fired into becoming an entrepreneur.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's just the shove out, you needed.
1: I just figured out that I was a really crappy employee, but I was great at, you know, starting things. So why why not just work for myself and 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 get things going that way?
2: <laughs> well, what especially were, nowadays when there's a million ways to make money in in various ways, whether it's consulting or online stuff or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, obviously, you guys instruct everyone on how to uh, market. Things, But whether that's an info product or an actual product or yourself um, as a consultant, you know, those are the techniques to get going. And even if you have aspirations to have a huge company, which I don't think everyone needs to do,
1: um,
2: certainly not as many people as try, um, they might be happier not doing that, which is a whole other topic. But um, especially if if you don't need to make the next Twitter to be happy – you can absolutely start by bankrolling it with your own consulting practice, and especially using some, you know, online techniques in order to get some of those customers and so forth. And a lot of companies are started that way, sort of self-funded and self-actualized. And you can, and you have all the time in the world because as long as you're paying your own salary in that sense, uh, the clock's not ticking, and you can you can wait for that right um, sort of combination of ideas and and perhaps uh, co-founders maybe, um, and 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 need that you notice in the market and so on.
1: Well, I think that's that's perfect. It, you know, and and you know, obviously, Doug Doug understand Doug's with uh, Lifeline Data Centers, and those guys were you guys were bootstrapped to the hilt, right? I mean, um, started with nothing but a little bit of space and on Henry Street, right?
2: Yeah, down in the telecom district of Indianapolis, uh, wing and a prayer. The two owners started with,
1: went out and were buying generators in the dot bomb uh, era. Yeah. And, uh, we- Go out and find them at an auction, generators, and then drive them
0: back if we found a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: awesome. And and Adams, you know Adams, and and I should say, you know, Lifeline is a client. Obviously, I'm going to disclose that. And and um, they opened up the the last thing that they did, which talk about risk, you know, they went out and bought a dilapidated old mall on the east side of town, and now they've taken that and taken the one the one building that was a nuclear. Uh, fallout shelter and turn that into one of the largest data centers in the Midwest now. And then, uh, and then stripped, I remember the early days you guys stripped out all the copper from the, from the building and that paid for the renovations and enhancements. It's a pretty awesome story, you know? And I, I just think it goes to that same entrepreneurial, you know, kind of gut do anything to, you know, to get things off the ground. Adam's with two Jason, uh, Adam, Adam has a company called Digital Home Info. Same thing, right? You, 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 basically probably written ninety percent of this code ten feet from your bedroom, right? Yeah, uh, well, not even ten feet. You know, so. <laughs> in your sleep too. Yes, yeah, in my sleep. That's when I know I've been, you know, in it too deep. Is when I start dreaming in code. You know, uh-huh. then it's time to take a break. But I, I mean, again, go back to you know your your first comment was you know, you identified a problem that people had and were willing to spend money to correct. And, you know, there's four of us sitting here that have accomplished, you know, uh, good solid businesses. And it's because, uh, you know, it wasn't, I, I never looked at the market and I said and say, you know, can I make a million bucks at this? I looked at the market and I said, man, people are just screaming for my help. They can't figure this stuff out. I've got to help them. And I think, you know, to, Jason, your latest company, WP Engine, that's exactly what people were doing there as well.
2: Yeah, I think you know, there's kind of two ways to think about doing market analysis. And the sort of traditional MBA-style market analysis is to look at things like what is the total size of the market, who are the players, how much money is being spent on what, uh, you know, and so on and so on. And you try to see whether there's a big enough opportunity there and a niche to be in, and then you go uh, maybe try to do that. I think that if you're trying to build a very large company, you, you have to go through that. Because if you're, if you're trying to build a company that's worth a billion dollars or more with a B, um, there does need to be a big opportunity and lots of money being spent on stuff. And, and a big pain. Because, of course, you can't support that kind of revenue unless a huge uh, you know, black hole up here is, is, is floating around somewhere for you to go fill. But, that's almost no startups, right? Almost none will be a billion dollars. Almost none should try to be a billion dollars. Almost no one actually needs to make a billion dollars to be happy, right? So who cares? So that that kind of gets to the, the other way of saying what's in the market, which is just can I find enough people that I'm making the kind of money that I like? Yeah. And that's a totally different question because then, for example, it doesn't matter how big the market is, and it doesn't matter how much people are spending. What matters is, can you go find ten people who will give you a certain amount of money that's making it worth your while just ten, and the reason ten or maybe twenty, I like twenty better, but um if I say that, then people don't do it at all. so let's say ten because if you can if you can go wrangle up ten through you know there's a million ways we could get into that if you want, and you guys get into it anyway on your on your blog and so on, but if you can wrangle up ten then probably there's a reasonable, repeatable process to go find another 10, another 100, maybe another 1,000, too. Yeah. And, you know, you better be making good money when you have a couple hundred customers, certainly a 1,000 customers, anyway, just because if you need a lot more customers than that, then you've got uh, kind of scalability issues um, uh, with the business model anyway. So if you're already going to make great money with 200 customers, then my experience is if you can find 10, then with more work, you can go find the other 200. It's surprisingly hard to find the 10, by the way. That's hard. Um, Whether you're, you know, if you kind of scale this into blog terms, you know, it's pretty easy to get a couple hundred RSS subscribers. Getting to like 2,000 is is, is surprisingly rare, but if you can get to 2,000, over a couple of years, you're just probably going to get up to ten thousand, and that's what happened to me. You know, I have thirty thousand readers of my blog, but for the first two—I you know, don't know—year and a half, it was maybe a thousand. Yeah. You know, maybe a crest of two thousand, and then all of a sudden it took off. That's how those things go. Um, so, if you can get a few, that's hard, and then other things often—you know—then you can usually find the other ones. If you can find ten through hard labor, you can probably find a hundred through AdWords or other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, usually you can't find ten. Usually you go talk to them all, and you get people on the phone, and they're just not interested, or they don't get it, or they don't want to pay that much, or they all say, that sounds pretty good, and then the conversation goes in a different direction, and a different direction every time. It's not converging on something. Um, that's a, that's something that happened to me with the idea I had before WordPress Engine. I thought I had a cool idea, and I shopped it around. It's actually a marketing tool, by the way. Um, And uh, like an analytics tool that had some features that Google Analytics did not have. And every single person said, those features are awesome. I want them. You know what you should do with it is X. And then X was different every time I talked to somebody. And some people (laughs) said it should be freemium and cheap and you should get a million customers because everyone needs this. And some people said you should be charging $1,000 a month and up and go compete with Cora. And some people said you should sell it through consultants, and some people said it should be direct. And some people said this should be a plug-in, and some people said you have to host it yourself. And the bottom line is there was a kernel of something in there, but it just didn't materialize. It diverged um, when I talked to more and more people. Whereas, and so that's what I mean by it. you can have a good idea, and you can even have people say that's a good idea, that's cool, but the but taking the conversation all the way to okay great so you're going to give me $50 a month right cuz where's your credit card when you really start getting into that in particular that's when they start saying well you know what you know what you should do and that's when you really discover whether it's a good kernel of an idea or whether it's actually a business that yeah i can i can i can say four things and get people to give me money they want the four things so no. with wordpress engine that's what happened i started talking about is your is your blog do, do you care if your blog's slow um has your blog ever gone down with a lot of traffic do you do you want it to not go down when you get on the new york times cuz a lot of people say no i've never been on the new york times i don't care like it's like, not obvious that this is a pain but anyway yeah, but so you i have went paid and performances when you need it <laughs> yeah. So, but, but so maybe people don't care. So you know, it, it took a lot of conversations, and I actually fairly easily found 20 people who said, "I will switch my blog to you as soon as you build this." And yes, I'll pay $50 a month, which was what the idea was at the time. And, and now we have different tiers, of course, because everything uh, evolves. But you know, and and so the answer was yes. They all converged on the same four or five pain points, and they all converged and said, "Yes, this this price point, I will pay." Well, gee. Wow. That was a good idea, so so I started that. And, and of course, that's not the the law. You're going to change it right away as soon as you learn more stuff. But it's actually surprisingly hard to get consensus um, on that. If you really are trying and being honest with yourself about what they're really saying and pushing the issue of price and giving you money, that's another thing, because people will say it's a good idea all day long until it's time to whip out the wallet. So I think that's a very important way. And I went into all this detail just because I feel like everybody on earth can use this technique to go validate a business idea That, okay, is not a Twitter-sized idea, but an idea that it's a perfectly valid startup. And some of those ideas maybe could grow into something big, uh, and maybe not. And, of course, you can decide what of those paths are are important to you. But I think you guys uh, were intimating this before, and it's my experience, too. If you just get get started on something real and genuine, it often just takes you kind of as far as you want to go, and... It doesn't have a life of its own in the sense that you're not totally in control, but suddenly these opportunities and things appear, new pricing, new ideas, new features, or if it's a website, new products, new advertisers, new whatever that happen as you grow and as you meet new people. And often these things which start as, as you could say, a small idea can can grow and change in shape and be a big idea if that's still the path you want to go. And you don't have to do any of that huge market analysis crap um, to do any of those things.
1: Well, you know, go back. One of the key things that I think you said, well, two two key things that you said. One was um, you had an idea, but you actually took that idea to people to listen to what their reactions were. And you truly, truly listened to what the reaction was. I mean, I, I see a lot of people that they make a solution and then they try to force that solution into everybody's problems instead of.
0: It's,
2: it's actually worse than that. Because the reaction is often positive because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah. You know, right? I have this idea of this new product. Oh, that's cool, right? What, are they going to originally say that's retarded? Is that what they're going to start by <laughs> yeah. saying? Most people are way too. Actually, that would be great if they did because honesty is what you need, right? But they're not going to. So it's yep. even worse than having to listen to the reaction. You have to sort of force an issue and listen to it sort of interpret what they're saying. That's a great idea. Great. It's 50 bucks a month. Can I have your credit card? Well... Yeah. Uh, well, well, what? Well, blah blah. Well, whatever that blah blah is, there's an objection. Now this is getting interesting. Now you're learning something, right? Um, and I'll throw one other little technique out there uh, or, or trick while you're listening to do this. Every time you hear something that's a surprise, that's an indication that you're about to learn something, right? I mean, if you're doing an interview and the person says nothing that you ha- that that you don't expect, you're not learning, and that's yeah. okay. If you're on your twentieth interview and you're not learning. Maybe you're done. Maybe you've got your thing. Now, that's what. Again, that's happened to me the second time. But whenever someone says something unexpected, no, I don't care if my site's fast. Really, you don't care if it's slow? No. Now, see, that's surprising because <laughs> yeah. I know things like your search engine ranking goes up if it's fast. People hit the back button if it's slow. Like I know those things, and a lot of people know those things. So if someone says no, I don't care. I that's surprising. And I say, really. Now you could just go, that guy's an idiot, or you could say, wait a minute. Why does that guy not care? This is interesting. I've got to dig into this. Why does he not care? Does he maybe he doesn't know
0: right
2: and part of this business is going to be evangelism, or maybe he's right. Maybe he just doesn't care and because he doesn't care, and not enough people can care to put money into this. Yeah. Oh, okay. people don't care about blogs, so that's why they go to the free- the, the free and cheap stuff because they don't care. Fair enough. maybe there's no business here right so uh, I, I surprising things are opportunities. You know, a lot of
1: times they don't care until the site goes down or until they wind up on the New York Times.
2: It doesn't matter though. It doesn't I, matter because because if that happens infrequently enough, you still don't have a business. Right. Like I need most people to care about something that we do, or else I don't have a business. Like if if I have to rely on the fact that someone gets in the New York Times and crashes, and then gets off their butt and goes and look looking for. A fix to that. If I have to rely on that to happen in order to get a customer, it's too hard. It doesn't happen often enough. I can't find them. You know, like it, you have to find someone at a certain point in time. It's too hard. Yeah. It's got to be easier. So even if that, even if what you said is true, that means again, the idea might be fine. It's a real need, but if people don't know it, right. <laughs> right? They don't right. know they should have that pain. Doesn't matter. It's not a business.
1: Well, and the and the, the second thing that you said that was important there. Um, and and we're going to take a short break here. Is is will put will people put money on it? You know we we
2: yeah.
1: we started down the startup route. It was the first time in my life that you know me and a couple partners put in money and we we started down that route. And every investor in town said, "Oh my God, that's a fantastic idea!" You know, as soon as you start it up, come back to us and 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 we'll do work. And, uh, you know, we, we pumped all this money into it and everything else and brought it back to them, and nobody was willing to write the check. <laughs> uh-huh. you know, so, it, you know, beware of people that even say that they're going to write the check. <laughs> Until you have a check, you don't have anything. <laughs> so we'll take a short break. Uh, sponsorship uh, from the folks at Zoomerang. Zoomerang slash SurveyMonkey will be shifted in Uh, Congratulations to those guys at Zoomerang. They were bought out by Um, Survey Monkey, we've been helping those guys with their SEO and uh, just a fantastic team over there. Uh, Gallant, uh, it's it's been an incredible transition. So here we
0: go from Zoomerang. Have you ever wanted to survey your customers or employees but thought it was just going to take too too much time or cost too much? Well, it doesn't have to. With Zoomerang Online Surveys and Polls, you can sign up for free and send an unlimited number of surveys and polls. It takes just minutes to create and send a professional-looking survey. Zoomerang makes it easy to get started with a newly updated user interface and over 100 professional templates you can customize. It's easy, fast, and best of all free. The data you get from surveys can be invaluable to help you make better business decisions and plan for the future. Get started today by signing up for a free account at zoomerang.com. So thanks to our friends at Zoomerang for uh, keeping
1: the lights on on the show here. Jason, uh one of the one of the folks, Valerie um Valerie Stroll is in the in the chat room and Valerie runs a uh, agency where she um basically works um on behalf of disabled uh people uh representing them and marketing companies and 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 corporations to kind of bridge the gap. And it's a pretty cool but it's it's very out of the box thinking. It's basically if you were gonna do marketing uh and you wanted um, you wanted disability, p- folks with disabilities uh, to be represented, you know, she would bridge that gap for you. And her whole goal is basically that people with disabilities um, should, sh- they should be working like anybody else, not should be, but, you know, should have opportunities to work just like anybody else. And there needs to be more companies out there instead of, you know, going out and begging for more grants and, and uh, from the government and everything else, that they have opportunities to really take it off, uh, take off and do it on their own. Valerie started a blogging a blog, uh, UnitedMediaNow.com, I think. Wow, probably uh, months ago, maybe a year ago. Now she blogs with BlogHer, which is pretty exciting. So she's uh, got a much bigger um, audience. But she said, you know, one of the problems that she runs into that that um, that you might see as well is that the industry is so stuck uh, in doing things one way that they that they don't even recognize the opportunity. Uh, on the new venture that she's created, and so they don't even listen. They 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 just don't do anything. What do you, you know in in situations like that? You know even even as you look at WP Engine, that's a that's a pretty significant change from the industry. That you know it's not a PHP hosting. It's not a it's dedicated WordPress hosting, which is very very different. You know within the community, it it in my opinion it it frees. Uh, people that want to host WordPress, but in some ways some people might think well that you know that's kind of a narrow um topic was there was there pushback from the community that you know this this is i can't I can't work in a limited you know uh atmosphere like this and and how do you overcome that? How do you change people's perceptions that are um that have been there for forever?
2: Well, I think maybe there's two parts there uh, one is this question of um if people don't want to, if people aren't used to thinking about something like serving uh, people with disabilities, how do you sort of evangelize that into them? Because they're not naturally going out and Google and searching for it, it's not occurring to them to do it. And when you talk to them, it feels too much like a sales pitch they don't want to hear because they're not interested in, how do you bridge that? That feels like part one. Part two is this question of specialization. If you focus on WordPress and don't allow anything else, do people say, well, that's not hosting and they're not interested? The second one is the second part is a lot easier to answer. Um, the, if you look around the, the services and products which are around serving a, a one niche and doing it really well and, and, and having a strong opinion about what they do and don 't do, um, those companies, for whatever reason right now in time, are doing really well. People seem to, at, at least right now to like the idea that um, you know the iPhone is going to like when the iPhone first came out it 's It's super limited. You can't put on your own apps. You can't do this. You can't control that. And I love it because it just works, and I don't care because it it does what I want it to do. Or Dropbox uh, doesn't let you share unless it's in the public folder. And you know what? I'm still going to use Dropbox because it just works, and it's simple. And for what it does, it's focused, and it it works, and it's simple. And you could just go on and on with with products where people have stripped away features, tried not to serve the wider market, um, and been really successful because they can do such a good job serving the niche that they've picked. Of course, I really believe in that. That is that is what uh, WordPress Engine is doing. And so, although sometimes people say, well, I still need these services, and we say, well, put them somewhere else and have them interface, or else this just isn't going to work, you know, that, that's just the line we draw so that we can continue to produce the service that we claim. Like, we can't do security if we don't know what you're running. We can't make it fast if it could literally be anything that you're running, right? Like, Like, of course we can't deliver those things. So... Uh, so we have to say no. So that's actually pretty uh, easy to decide to do. Um, sometimes it's hard to say no to a new customer, of course, so that part's not easy. But but the concept's very easy and, I think, um, common nowadays. Now, the first part, though, of how do you evangelize a concept like marketing to people with disabilities when the company's not interested uh, intrinsically, I think that's the question, in doing so, is hard. I think any time you're... I call it evangelism because you're converting people that are not believers into believers, um, which is not the same as usual sales and marketing, because usually the, the person you're, the, the, the group you're targeting has a pain and knows that they have the pain. Hopefully, they're even looking for the pain, and that's where Google AdWords, for example, would come in, or SEO. People literally looking for a solution to their pain, and you want to express as clearly as possible that you are that solution to the pain that they know they have. And I keep saying that they know they have, because that's so important. They can have the pain, but not know it. Does backup tools have this problem? Everybody needs backup, kind of. Like, it's going to be a pain point at some point in your life. But people don't really know it until they've lost data. Then they go buy the backup software, not before. So that's why knowing you have the pain, not just having it, is is, is critical. That's normal marketing. But what you're describing, of course, they're not seeking it. They're not interested until you convince them. And I did that a lot at SmartBear, my third company. So I uh, I did have to live that for a while. People didn't search for what I was doing. I, I sort of evangelized. So in that particular case, here's how I dealt with it. I ended up becoming the world expert in the topic. The topic in this case was peer code review with developers, meaning software developers who review each other's work just like an an editor and an author would do in a magazine, for the same reason, to find bugs and teach new people how things work and so on. Kind of an obvious thing that people who um, write code just like writing pros can't see a lot of their own bugs and someone else could see it pretty fast and it seems like kind of an obvious process that you do it, just like it's obvious that you'd have an editor or or a checker um for any kind of writing, so it it seems obvious and yet almost no one does it and so I had to evangelize it and What I did is I wrote a book about it, and I toured around talking about it and Thirdly, we had really good hard data about why it's effective um and not effective in every case we we were we tried to be really- cl- honest about There there are cases where this is super effective use of your time, and there's cases where it's a big waste of your time. There is both, but we're going to help you navigate what those are so that it really is a good use of your time. And in fact, the tool that we made that went with it, in our case, actually helped you decide when it is worth it or not. (laughs) So it helps you know when to use the tool or not use the tool so you're not wasting time. So when you're being that sort of clearly honest about trying to introduce a process which is appropriate in certain cases, and let's define what those are, um, then you can maybe get to an evangelism because you can say, look, let's try this for just one week and see, or look at this case study of this other person who was also skeptical, so they tried it, and look what happened, and this is why it might be accurate for you. And don't get me wrong. This is really hard selling because right. they still don't want to listen, and you still have to force your way in, and you still have to convince them. But at the very least, you could have some authority. I'm saying that, that this person doesn't. It sounds like she has a lot of authority. I'm just sort of Talking more generally, too. You can have authority in the area so that you're at least the, ex- the, the sort of understood expert in the area. Things like speaking in books help or blogs, like there's lots of ways, right? That's Absolutely. Just some ways. Um, that helps that you're an authority uh, because often there's like one person in the company who does want that. There is the one person in the marketing department who does believe passionately that they should be addressing people with disabilities. They're your champion. But you need to help them give them the tools that they need to convince everyone else because they can't do it alone. So you being an expert, someone that they can call in um, to talk to people, and you having data about how this makes them more money is, of course, the very best thing you can have. Um, and so these are various tools, but it's still a tough slog. I don't think there's a magical thing yeah. to do it. It's a tough slog. You need lots and lots of things to convince them with because it's hard. Um, so I think the, the number one thing... You can do is show them how they will make substantially more money, and substantially could be 10% rise in revenue. That's substantial for any company at a 10% lift. So you know it doesn't have to be uh, you know double the company, but it has to be something measurable. And I would go another step and say it has to be easy to take one step. So in other words, it's one thing to say, if you totally changed your marketing around, well, not totally changed all of your marketing, but if you, if you invested all this time and effort into the idea of marketing to people with disabilities, um... And then, by the way, then you have to – like maybe your tech support has to also um, you know, use those phones where you can type into it instead of being on the phone. And like they're, they're, it, it ripples into other aspects of the company. It's not just marketing because once you have those uh, folks as customers, then you have to be able to communicate with them and continue to serve them well. Um, and maybe the website has to be redesigned to be more compliant. Like it ripples through a lot of stuff when you say that. It's not just – you know sort of advertising in the right place right it's it's your whole attitude and culture and, and and ripples to different departments so doing the whole thing is very expensive in terms of time and time share and in in decisions and a lot of people have to agree and coordinate that's really hard for a big business to do it's It's not even easy for a little company to do to be honest Yeah. so so that's a big ask, right? And you're trying to evangelize if they don't already want to. If they did want to do all those things and you facilitate, oh, great. But if you're trying to convince them to do it in the first place, oh, no. <laughs> that's a lot of people yeah. to coordinate. Yep. So I would say, what is a little step they could do to prove to themselves that all of that is, in fact, going to pay off and, be, and make them even more bottom line dough? Because I think that they would, right? Yeah, for example, absolutely. Now, unfortunately, I'm not an expert in in that, so I, I'm gonna have a hard trouble coming up with good specific examples. But I could try. So, um, for example, what if being what if your website being compliant also increased your search engine position because Google can 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 you know scan it better, or it meant that your I- images were indexed, or it meant that some other tool worked with it that didn't before. In addition, even to that, and you could measure that. Or what if um, just making it um, making it, making that more accessible meant that you could get some p r in uh in in some other blogs like hers right they would say hey look here's this company trying to make some steps let's go see and then they could measurably see a rise in traffic and go wait a second we just saw a 10 percent rise in traffic after we did that because that did get people interested and hey we could be the market leader in the ones who are actually going to serve this community properly for once and that could actually be a competitive advantage and i'm seeing that in a lift in my traffic on the website Now, of course, I have to do everything else behind that lift of traffic, but that lift of traffic proves that if I do this, I can get – then they'll actually come. If I build it, they'll come. Well, now I've got some evidence that if I put in all the back end to, to, you could say, make good on that promise, that I can actually make money from that too. Yeah, I'm making this up off the cuff. I don't even know if that's accurate. No, it's
1: it's, it's fantastic. And Ballo's writing in the chat room that – she okay. she is doing some of it and it is it okay. is
2: taking effect. So
1: this is fantastic advice.
2: Well see like like that would be good for us. If you could if you show us, hey, look, your website's not accessible, it should do this, it should do that. And we tried it and you know, again, we saw that effect here at WordPress Engine. Well I would say, well, geez, okay, what are the other things we have to put in place to properly serve folks? And, you know, maybe, like, for example, it used to be, um, you know, there was phone services that you could type into and they would talk. Like, those exist or – like, is it even easier today with technology? And I just don't know that. And right. does this plug into Zendesk? And I didn't even know that. I could, it was, it's a ton easier to serve people with certain disabilities than I thought because of certain technology, and it, all I need is a consultant to tell me that. Wait a minute. You see what I mean? Like, I, I'm probably just ignorant of what it could mean. So if someone's showing me, uh, you know, a website lift, traffic lift – And explaining to me, look, you need to hire me to actually implement all this, but I can show you the broad strokes to show you that, like, this isn't as big of a thing as you think. And if I can show you the traffic is there, one plus one equals two. So, again, I'm making this up, but it it seems like you want a baby step that shows me proof that if I go through the rest of the process um, that I will, you know, I'll get the benefit. Um, And otherwise, it's still evangelism and it's hard. (laughs) It's hard. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I, I we're going to take another short break. That's
1: I mean that that's incredible advice and I think it's not limited, you know, to those listeners here. It's obviously not listen not 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 limited to that, you know, to the disabilities community. Um right, right. it's 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 literally everything. Um so we're going to take another short break. This one from Delivera. Uh Delivera is a email service provider. They're uh one of the best places to work in Indiana according to the Fortune uh, Fortune Magazine, and they hit the Fortune 5,000 this year. Um, they're also a customer of yours, right, Adam? Right. They're yeah. Kind of a partner more more so than a customer. So they do uh, text messaging with you guys, right? That's correct. Yeah. So integrated directly into their app. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So good good stuff. Delivera, um, one of those quiet email service companies that uh, we really love. They they aren't over marketed or anything. They're just really strong, nice guys that. Bootstrap their business from the ground up, never took investment money and they've grown and grown and grown and uh, a, a quiet force. If you're a, you know, if you're a medium, I'd say small to medium sized business. I think their target's medium, but they'll work well with small too. Yeah. They, they babysit their customers and just do a fantastic job. Right. Um, Uh, just customer service we were talking about that is just fantastic so short message from these sponsors Delibra when we get back Jason I want to talk specifics about um, you know your experience with marketing and we'll talk about Carol when we get back so we'll be right back
0: Delibra has been providing email software and professional services for more than 13 years Delivera helps businesses and organizations execute effective email marketing campaigns by providing dynamic software and professional services, from full-out consulting engagements to help when you need it in areas such as design, production, deliverability, and testing. Voted one of the 2011 best places to work in Indiana and one of Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies. Delivera partners with businesses and organizations across all industries and verticals and truly opens its doors each and every day to put the customer first. To learn more about Delivera, visit www.delivera.com or call 866-915-9465. Tell them you heard about Delivera from the Marketing Technology Blog.
1: Well, thanks, Deliver. Uh, Jason, um, tell us about Carol, the perfect customer.
0: Sure.
2: This is a, a concept that I uh, I thought of a couple of years ago, so it sort of stuck. Um, I say I thought of it. I'm, I'm, there's no chance that I'm the first one to ever think of this, but um, still I thought of it anyway, right? So it's like quantum mechanics. So you can have three people invent it at the same time, and that's okay. Um, Not like a pattern. One of the common yeah, – well, we have to talk about quantum mechanics at some point, don't we? I thought that was the, the fourth topic was quantum electrodynamics, right? Uh, we'll, go, we'll do Feynman diagrams next. So um, one of the things I see startups doing all the time where they say I, I can't I, – for some reason people aren't uh, – I'm getting traffic to the website and nobody seems to care um, is that they're trying to cast a really wide net and tackle – the entire obvious market for them to tackle at the same time. And what happens is they end up with a diluted message that doesn't really excite anybody. And sort of the analogy I like to use is in American politics, where when you have extreme left and right politicians that really rile up a certain, you know, small segment of the base, and those politicians don't succeed in general elections because if you want to be president, you have to get a lot of people to vote for you. And that means you have to be, uh, you can only have a couple of extreme uh, views. Mostly, you have to just be in the middle. But yeah. you don't really get anybody excited that way. You're just sort of there, and you don't really have an opinion, and no one really knows what you're going to do in any situation. And it's it's uh, it's okay if you want to be voted president. It's a really bad idea if you want to be a little startup and have a voice and have a message, because the interesting thing about voices and message messages is to be specific. And to have a strong opinion about something, like saying we do support these people, uh, you know, these kind of customers and not these, or we do have this feature and not this, or, you know, or that kind of thing. But the worry is that you focus so narrowly, and now there's like 13 people on earth that are actually in your target zone, and isn't that a dumb idea? So um, I actually think it's a perfect idea, uh, and, and it works incredibly well. And so this is kind of how I describe it that when you're not sure how to how to write the pros on your home page or the google ads or any of that kind of stuff you decide who is your absolute perfect customer in every single way you define this person as the, in every little minute way they're the perfect customer so um, since since it's the other example in the call let's use um, let's use the woman who um, you know is selling disability uh, consulting services or whatever that was yep um, so who's the perfect customer well, it's a huge company with a massive budget, so they have money to spend. And they've been directed by uh, the government of Spain that they have to do this or else they can't do business in Spain. Crap. And since they're a big company, they're going to do it uh, across all, you know, the entire international business, not just in Spain. So they have to do this. There's no choice, and there's even a budget already. And also, it's international, which is worse, because you get internationalization and all that uh, even harder. Uh, and yet, internationalization and disability stuff in certain areas of the company are actually um, similar. That is, a more accessible website also means a more translatable website, and so on. So actually, that kind of dovetails, and so that's good. So they have kind of similar problems they want to solve anyway. Um, And also they're looking because, again, they've been tasked. They know they need an expert. They know it. Like there's no one inside the company even claiming to be an expert. They want to rely on external help. See where I'm going? Like I'm just defining a company where it's perfect. Like there's just – you wouldn't have to say anything. You just have to show up and they go, oh, my God, (laughs) we have to do it with you, right? And I'd, I'd go on, in fact. You define that perfect customer and then you go write your homepage for that customer, for that customer, with that person in mind. In other words, you in this art it's an artifice, but still, you've set up this straw man, and now all now your job on the homepage, for example, is to make it clear in like two seconds that you are the solution to their very, very particular problem. Because that is your perfect customer, isn't it? And so if your homepage can't convince that person in three seconds that you are exactly what they need, If you can't do that to your perfect customer, when that perfect customer shows up, then why do you think you're going to convince other people that don't even have all those specific problems? Why do you think they're going to be interested in three seconds? And that's how long you get before they hit back button, right? Absolutely. So you, you, you have to, I mean, whatever small circle that is, when they happen upon your website, you better capture them. It better be written just for them so they go, oh, my God, this is it. Now still, so, so that's pretty clear and that kind of makes sense, but you still have this nagging thing of like, yeah, but what about you know, everybody that's not a perfect customer? And so in my experience, now we're getting into um, subjective stuff, right? But in my experience, it is not true that when you write it very specifically for a very tiny subset, that only that tiny subset is interested. That's not what happens. What happens is there's a huge number of people who, because your text, your prose, your images, imagery, and so on, is is saying something so specific, they understand what you're saying quick. And let them decide whether they want to join that circle or not. And you'll find that a lot of people actually do want, want this message and this thing that you want. Even if they're not for the perfect customer, even if maybe they don't have that budget and that may be something you have to negotiate over, or maybe they don't care about internationalization but they kind of like that you do it, it happens. And so um, what, what happens is when you're very specific and strong, um, then a lot of people flock to it because at least they understand what you're doing and they, and, and, and they want to join up. So a, a kind of typical example is this you have startups who say, or uh, products that say, this is perfect for a small, agile st- startup team. If you've got three hotshot developers and they know what they're doing, and, then they need this tool. Now, you think about any Fortune 500 company and they are the opposite of the small, hotshot, agile team. All of them are the opposite. But here's the, here's the cool part. There's ton, tons, like millions, millions of developers at those companies who either want to be like that or think that they are or think that at least if their group is. In that group, they want to live vicariously, at least, if not actually, as that tight little smart startup group. They they want to buy that tool almost to say, like, we're going to be part of that too. And I experience that every day at SmartBear. Uh, That that is my third company. That this this happened. We're. You would say, like, are you sure? Because you're not like this, X, Y, and Z. The perfect, like, well, yeah, we are where we're trying to be. Like, all day long, it was like that. People want to be in the circle, even if they, they maybe technically aren't in the circle right now. And I would also say that if they're really far outside the circle and they're technically in your market, well, you have a low chance of getting them interested in closing them anyway. So why are you trying to cast a sort of generic net among the whole potential market when most of those people are actually not... A great chance anyway when you can try to do even better on the people that are more likely to close. Yeah. So that's a long-winded way of, of saying it. And the, the way Carol came in is I just named this person Carol, this perfect customer, in, in a blog post three years ago. And so it kind of became a thing of like, who is Carol? Define Carol. Write for Carol. And the fact is that for every actual Carol in the world, there is a hundred or a thousand times more Carols than you think. Actually, another interesting example is my own blog. I write it for people who have their own startup. that is my carol in there is I've got a startup. It's just me and a co-founder. Maybe I've got employee number one, probably not, but I'm here. But the truth is that for every person like that on the blog, there's literally 10 or 100 people who want to be in a startup but aren't. But maybe they'll start one someday, and they have a project on the side that may become one, but they haven't taken the leap and all that. And I don't write for them. I never okay. write for that person. I don't even encourage them. Hey, you should start a startup. I don't say that because right. I'm writing for someone who already has. But it doesn't matter because for every person like that, a hundred pe- times more people um, still are super interested in that message because they want to do that. They're interested in that. Maybe they will do that. Hopefully they'll do that. And so whether it's blogging or products, any of these things, I firmly believe that you've got to have a strong voice about a specific thing and that like orders of magnitude more people than you think will react to that. I, I
1: think you're absolutely right, and, and and even you know expanding that so beyond you know let's say after you're established, um, you know I think a few of our clients we've we've incorporated where you know it's it's not just Carol it's Carol Bill you know Ted and you know everything else so we have we have clients like we have an architecture firm that um, we have built specific pages for government for and it speaks directly to that person for healthcare for education um, lifeline has it on their site you know if you uh healthcare you know um you, you know whoever whatever industry you are they they speak directly to their experience within that industry and 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 the wording is absolutely targeted towards that single person that you know meets um, the criteria of what a great client is for them, where where it's not just a fit one way, it's a fit both ways. So uh, that's that's uh, I, I can't agree with you uh, more. I think um, you know we talk to clients a lot that you know they they try to be all to everybody on their website. They have thousands of pages and that and it's blurry. And when you ask them what their site is about, or or even try to tell what their site is about, you just can't tell when you get there. And when you have a distinct voice like that that you're calling out to a, a specific person, there's no room for error. They absolutely see. And then, uh, as you said, they can apply it to their own their own selves. Wow. Well, if that works for that scenario, I've got an exact, you know, scenario just like that 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 could work for. Did I lose you?
2: No, I'm here. That's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, it's, it's just Being been specific is always better.
1: Well, Jason, what, you know, what we always try to do at the end of the show is is absolutely um, promote uh, our guests. And uh, and and so um, things like, you know, your blog, you had mentioned your blog a few times. What's the URL for that for folks to get over there?
2: It's blog.asmartbear.com, like a smart animal bear. Okay. That came from the third company, uh, Smart Bear, which is kind of how I got uh, more well-known. And so the blog was a smart bear
1: fantastic and on twitter
2: also a smart bear
1: oh fantastic and and uh you got a facebook page out there uh
2: maybe i never look at it <laughs> i have one but i don't know what's there <laughs> google plus then <laughs> Another one, I have an accountant uh you know you can only do so many things <laughs> yeah
1: I, I totally agree with you it gets it it gets pretty difficult to, after a while and uh and obviously you know we we promoted the heck out of it at the front end of this um w p engine um just just fantastic uh fantastic company and it's w p engine dot com um we have a well, bunch I appreciate of
2: appreciate the promotion. On. Yeah. You know, one yep, one thing I'm doing on the on the on the blog is um of course there's normal blog posts, but I'm taking questions by email and also on a podcast like this, just like the um uh, in fact just like the one we had before where, you know, i I have this specific problem and this is my you know, is there any question or advice? And I have a co a co host every time. As well, who's different every time. It's always uh, someone who also is an entrepreneur and done startups. Sometimes it's more of a VC person. Sometimes it's a bootstrappy person. Last time it was Mark Suster of the blog, uh, Both Sides of the Table, for example. Um, and so so that also mix- mixes it up. So it's not always just me yakking at people. It's, it's different perspectives. And so if anybody has that kind of startup-related questions, uh, whether by email or a format like this, um, I'm doing that uh, as well uh, through the blog. So all the information is also on the blog.
1: Fantastic. We'll, we'll put that out on the chat. And, uh, and and, and uh, well, we're going to put your URL out, in, out on the chat and uh, out on Twitter for everybody. Um, I was going to say something else. I forgot what I was going to say. Don't look at me. It's not <laughs> like I can read your mind. <laughs> it must have been really, really important. Oh, I know what it was going to say. The other one, too, is uh, – is, uh, you know, Taylor, Taylor threw me, uh, some love. He, uh, he sent me, uh, uh, a, a swag link and I actually posted because it was such a cool idea. I posted, uh, and I don't know if you know what your guys are doing behind the scenes, but, uh, but yeah, Taylor, love. yeah, Taylor sent, yeah. A, Taylor sent me a, a link to dot com It was yep. a unique link that allowed me to go pick out a t-shirt and they even had, uh, they even had quad X t-shirts out there. And, uh, and what a cool idea! Basically, isn't you that great?
2: yeah, you oh, should yes, have those guys it, on the show.
1: Yeah, I I would love to have them on the show. If you can if you can get me a connection over there, I I love it. Oh, sure. I, what mm-hmm. a fantastic idea! Because we you know we order stuff, but you wind up going broke, right? You order two thousand dollars worth of promotional stuff, and it sits in a box, and and right. maybe you use it, maybe you don't, and you run out of the sizes that you need. Um, you know, this, right? And the shipping yeah in this case, you literally just put money in an account and send people a link, and if they use it, you get charged.
2: If they don't, you don't yeah it's great you can you can mail merge into your list so you can send everybody a shirt on your newsletter that kind of stuff. It's really cool um, I love those guys great yeah. idea they're expanding into more things besides shirts too, so they're you know they're trying to take it um further levels. They're great, you should have them on it's it's a great tool. Um, you know, for anybody doing marketing wants to spend a little bit of money but have high impact because it 's a physical thing well, um, their, right, prices it's aren't, great.
1: their prices aren 't terrible either
2: no it 's just you know so if you want to spend absolutely the least money, then you don 't buy shirts at all right like you do other yeah. things and but like <laughs> yeah. if you can, if you have even a little budget for for swag and stuff then then why not do it that way it 's absolutely the easiest way
1: yeah fantastic well i can 't thank you enough for uh taking your time out on on a on a Friday, Jason. Uh, this was a fascinating sure. conversation. We'll uh, we'll post the audio, of course. Anybody listening, they can listen on uh, Stitcher uh, if you download the app, uh, and then um, you can also listen right on our site. Uh, within an hour, we'll have the audio out there to re- so you can replay the um, replay it. And uh, thanks to everybody at Blog Talk Radio, they promoted the heck out of this one, uh, which was always cool. We get a lot more listeners when they when they promote us. And uh, we'll talk to you guys all next week. Thanks again, Jason.
2: You bet. Thanks for having me. All righty. Bye now.
0: Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.